This episode is brought to you by BitMEX, the OG crypto exchange that is back and better than ever. You'll hear more about BitMEX later in the show. At the end of the day, we're Web3 builders, and if you if you think about it, and uh, Web3 is an economy. So there's decentralized finance. There's also um, um, the the creator economy that now in part with the NFTs. Uh, Web3 social is just another aspect. Hey everyone, quick reminder, nothing said on Empire is a recommendation to buy or sell securities or tokens. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and any views expressed by anyone on the show are solely our opinions, not financial advice. Santiago and I and our guests may hold positions in the companies, funds, or projects discussed. Now, let's get into the show. All right, everyone. Uh, we have a fun episode of Empire lined up today. We have Stani Kulichov, uh, the CEO and co-founder of Ave, um, and a lot, lot more than that. Um, Stani and the Ave team have been building something called Lens Protocol behind the scenes for quite a while now. Um, really, really interesting take on decentralized social media. It's a protocol. It's a Web3 social protocol. It's really, really exciting. We're going to be talking all about that. Before we get into that, Stani, man, you were just kicked off Twitter for saying that you are taking over as the CEO CEO of Twitter. What happened here? What happened? Give us the behind uh, the scenes story. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's been a bit of kind of like a context that's um, uh, Elon Musk uh, pretty much bought Twitter, um, and and what that means that Twitter is becoming from a public traded company into a uh, private company if if the deal goes through. And one of the kind of like a things that uh, Elon Elon Musk was um, uh, mindful of is is the freedom of speech, and I was pretty much kind of like exercising my freedom of speech by stating that um, because of these events, I'm going to be the uh, interim CEO of Twitter, um, and and obviously it's it was a joke, but it got a lot of traction um, for for quite a while, and 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 then. Uh, I followed up of laying down a 90-day roadmap for Twitter, uh, essentially including rolling out uh, the edit button and shipping it out uh, within a week, and and also uh, integrating with Ethereum uh, ENS uh, as well, and and uh, integrating with the um, uh, Lens protocol as well. So essentially, after a few hours, uh, I I got banned <laughs> from Twitter. So how's that experience to get banned? So did anyone in Twitter reach out to you? Did they explain why this happened? Did you ever initiate in a discussion with anyone in the team uh, to explain that it was a joke? Did they apologize? Like, w what happened? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's basically they send this kind of like a um, uh, basic email saying that your account has been suspended uh, and, and you can, um, uh, here's like basically you can argue that uh, if if you're if you if you don't feel that this expansion was uh, uh, basically uh, correct for you, and that was what what happened. But also kind of like I was talking to a lot of uh, people at, that that are uh, working at Twitter or past employees. I mean, at all we have uh, past Twitter uh, employees as well. I mean, half our our data team is from Twitter, and and kind of like we tried to create a, a bit of like a network effect and get get the ban out because the. The, the biggest issue for me was that, um, you know, like Twitter was for me and still is um, a social media platform that I use where 
I'm public facing where I have my audience and that's where I basically can communicate and keep people up to date what's what's happening uh, like in my orbit. Uh, you know, I share news about Aave, about uh, uh, our, our culture or about uh, the Lens Protocol. And and th- that was kind of like a uh, uh, exciting situation in, 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 in the sense that when you actually get suspended and you don't have any more this access and you realize that, you know, the power and the control is on someone else's hands and, you know, you can lose your followers like that and uh, in, in your communication channel with your audience, uh, that really makes you think. And especially because we are we are building uh, the Lens Protocol, Decentralized Social Graph. So kind of like there was, there's been always like a backbone idea of uh, like we're providing the ability to uh, users to own their profiles and relationships and the, the communication channel with their audience. But when it actually happens to you right there, you realize like, holy shit, how actually uh, much power this platform ha- have and how uh, less of transparency there is because there are essentially black boxes, uh, algorithms running in a way that we don't have any clue, mm-hmm. like wh- how the decision came from. Yeah. And so, like, obviously, um, part part of your you laid out kind of a, a plan. Elon is taking over Twitter. He is bringing, including in there, CZ from Binance. He's putting in five hundred million. Like, I I tweeted myself, hey, like, if if you're Elon, like, why not consider like taking money from a DAO and and like having a Web three strategy? We talk a lot about Web two companies, and they are obviously increasingly interested in Web three. They're you have consumer retail brands issuing NFTs. Is it possible for Twitter to to kind of pivot to Web3. You obviously have Lens, which is on its own, trying to probably replicate a lot of what Twitter is doing. But maybe walk us through, like, how, how does Twitter look like in the next five years? Can it actually credibly move to Web3 and somehow decentralize? That's the, I think that's the most important question because uh, the, the, the way I see it is that the, 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 big, tech com- the big tech companies and companies in general... Uh, uh, Web2 companies, they've been built in a way where kind of like the users are uh, pretty much creating the data. So you're constantly giving information to all these platforms like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, what you like and what you don't like. Uh, and based on that, um, they have this massive amount of data which they're using to find out what actually you could be interested in in, in in buying or consuming in terms of uh, attention. So you are selling your attention all the time to these uh, platforms. And uh, what is kind of like happening here is that the user is actually uh, the product uh, within the platform because you are con- you're providing details, you're consuming um, products and services through advertisements, and you are actually not the one who is getting the end value uh, and the value goes from all these interactions back to the platform. They get more and more bigger uh, IP that they hold. They control the data and, and essentially uh, profit goes to the shareholders. And, and the algorithms and the platform will have to be optimized within this uh, kind of like a mindset. And, and I don't think the mindset is, is like uh, faulty. By default, there's, you know, Companies, uh, you know, capitalism is a way where uh, we can actually incentivize uh, uh, behavior and make efficient products, efficient services. But the issue here is that uh, it doesn't go to the user and the user should be the uh, epicenter 
of of the value feedback loop and getting getting the the end benefit from that, and changing this model to something where you know you are the user, you create a um, on chain profile, and then you have your following relationship with with other users, and you have this broadcasting channel. So um, so let's say that if a one application restricts you from from uh, showing content, you go to another one. Um, so, so you basically have the, the control. So what it does actually, it changes the, the uh, mindset and the way the companies have been built uh, in a way where uh, now they don't have control over the data. It's the user, meaning that they need to optimize uh, everything what they're doing in a way where uh, they're competing of creating the best user experience. They're competing uh, for uh, creating better algorithms with not just what they do internally, but with all the other applications out there, because you're relying on open uh, protocol, and that yeah. takes a bit of time. And I don't think it's it's an issue. Like uh, I think the more issue is like how do you push this idea through the whole organization? That's the yeah. hardest part. I think uh, I'm going to push back a little bit on that because conceptually, I love the idea. I totally agree with you. When you get banned, it feels very real, and it feels like the world is. It, it can be pretty precarious. Like now, I'm wondering. Well, I, I'm going to be careful what I tweet. Bankless YouTube channel just got shut down temporarily, and I think it was a mistake. And the CEO of of, of YouTube was public about it and said we made a mistake. Um, but what we forget is, okay, when we're using Web two applications, a lot of these social networks are free. No one, I never pay for for Twitter. I never pay for Facebook. And you know they're kind of subsidizing a whole host of infrastructure on the back end. Um, and there comes a cost to that. I think people should be aware when whenever. <laughs> Like nothing, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Like when we study economics, and I think that's very true in social networks, they monetize your activity and through advertising and, and a bunch of other ways uh, and monetizing that data. What is what is the business model for something like Lens? Like, and question number one, and the the second question is in this world where you users are trying to like optimize their experience, like is that like does that degrade the user experience because? We all talk about decentralization. We all talk about the promise of creating these applications. But at the end of the day, we also complain, God, the UX sucks. And so most users are not going to make that compromise. Like if Twitter is pretty slick interface. Yeah, I mean, that's that's an interesting question. I mean, essentially, uh, when you have something like a uh, decentralized social graph, uh, essentially you change a bit the... Um, whole kind of like a landscape of how do you approach of of um, of, of not just kind of like the, the monetization, but how different products uh, services are built. And regarding the monetization, I think like uh, currently, I, I definitely agree on the fact that if you're getting something for free, you are the product. So like you are paying for actually buying things and and this platform finding things that uh, triggers your attention to 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 buy. Uh, Twitter hasn't been very good at at actually uh, monetization uh, to the extent, for example, what Google is doing, um, given they have a lot of uh, information as well and, and data. But I think like for me, what's uh, fascinating is that when you actually own uh, own your content, you own this, uh, uh, the relationship with your, your audience, it, it basically means that uh, your followers aren't anymore in the Twitter's database. And essentially, it means that now, actually, anyone, uh, any part of the world can actually come uh, and create uh, a better algorithm or or better user experience and, and, and a new way of interacting with the content. Because I love Twitter, 
uh, as as the UX, uh, but with the same audience, you might have a different way of interacting. And it's very very hard today to to compete with big tech in terms of creating better user experiences and and actually by creating new social media application. Because the first and and the most important thing that you have to do is you have to create this big uh, network effect. So no one is coming to your uh, no one wants to go to a party where n- no one is going. So if it's like empty, so if you go to an application, there is no one there. It's very uh, hard, especially you. you base and I, I think Clubhouse was a good example. I mean, me, Santiago, you and me, we hanged quite a lot uh, in the Clubhouse during during the COVID and and explain how um, decentralized finance works. To for, to for context, we would do marathons of like I think the lo- longest standing one was twelve hours. Um, Stani also met his, you know, significant other on Clubhouse. Is that, is that, the, is that the same one that Stani took a took a nap mid Clubhouse? Stani, Stani <laughs> fell asleep at one point and left me hanging, but you know somehow his battery didn't drain. Uh, but anyways, I, I but so, Stani, let me ask you this: just an extension of what of that answer that you were just giving in like Web two social or really just social in general is categorized by massive, massive network effects, right? If you own, if you you aren't a big a successful social uh, social media platform. If you don't have hundreds of millions and in some cases billions of users, right, will that look the same in crypto, right? Will the will the ones who win social networks in crypto be the ones who own all the users or is the business model set up differently so that that's not actually the case? I think we'll see variations because now the way it works is that it, it's pretty much like a numbers game in terms of like how big the network effects is, how much data you can combine and, and based on that uh, you can be more accurate what you sell to the users and 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 the end users. So this is the approach when we think about that the user is the product in in Web three social. And I think here's a bit different. For example, when uh, you're not anymore basically a number in uh, or a name in Twitter's database, and and actually that's on a uh, uh, decentralized social graph. What what actually happens is that it lowers the threshold of any developer, any part of the world, come and actually build a new way to interact uh, with, with the social graph, with the content, uh, or creating a better algorithms. So for example, in my opinion, uh, Twitter user experience is, is, is quite quite nice. I like the design. But for me, it's kind of sucks that I basically have just one algorithm that I can use. I would like to select, for example, change the algorithm that maybe finds new content that I'm interested in or or more followers and recommendations that actually uh, might be interesting for me for some particular reason. And I could go away from my kind of like, you know, the saying when we, we feel like the with Twitter is an echo chamber when, you know, you, you see all uh, pretty much like more and more crypto Twitter and your set, every single tweet that you get in the feed is GM, 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 GM. And, and you know, like, I, for example, might want to have an algorithm that is just like more expansive a bit uh, than normally. And this is the thing, like when you actually uh, have a public infrastructure that anyone can consume and, and build algorithms, build user experiences, you start to see developers uh, coming up with creativity uh, and trying new things. And this is something that happened in decentralized finance because, you know, Normally, you know, you have a working banking system. You can send money from your friend, from your bank account to your friends. You know, maybe it get, gets blocked. You send some paperwork, it gets unblocked, and everyone is happy. But no one is innovating actually, because you know, uh, and decentralized finance. What we actually did, we created an open ecosystem and told every developer that you know, 
go and build something and create something new. And this is why we have, you know, this massive, interesting, uh, yeah. uh, diversified uh, financial infrastructure. And I think uh, to, to the question, actually, I think when you open up uh, the platform, the user experiences uh, and algorithms, maybe the most successful um, social media kind of like application built on top of Lens isn't the one where you you, you can generate you can basically get the most of the the followers, but maybe uh, it's it, it, it can actually kind of like emphasize who are the most important followers for you and and how to interact with them uh, in in a more interesting way. So it's not anymore a numbers game, but maybe it's like how rich the social graph is in in terms of uh, value. Stony, instead of monetizing with ads, and so let's let's say let's say there's a decentralized Twitter, there's a Web three Twitter. Instead of monetizing with ads, if I'm kind of extrapolating out like five to ten years, we'll have a world where there are these mini social graphs on Twitter, right? Let's say uh, everyone who likes crypto is in this part of Twitter, and everyone who likes music is in this part. Instead of monetizing the people who like music with ads for an upcoming concert. Instead, on this decentralized Twitter, you would actually monetize by having going out to applications and saying, look, you can build on top of this protocol. Uh, if you want to build like a music application, come build on this protocol and you can you already have your users almost baked in. Right. So now the the problem of like trying to find users for this application is kind of fixed by the protocol. Am I in, in the same way that in DeFi, if you want to build something, the users are already there. You just need to build an incentive for them to to come use your thing. Am I am I on the right track here or is, or is, do you see a different future? Essentially it's uh, it's pretty much that every single application that is built on top of Lens protocol is growth hacking users to every single other application on the same uh, protocol, the same social graph, which is kind of interesting because let's say if you have 10 different applications uh, you know they bring users. They they enlarge in uh, the graph, and of course on the front ends they can decide what they curate from which application the users come, and they can they can curate the experience and curate what the end user sees and 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 how the experience uh, feels like. But that's the thing, like you you you, you where in decentralized finance you have this kind of like a, a pool of liquidity. In in Lens protocol you have a pool of uh, users essentially who are uh, contributing and following and expressing interest, and I think um, regarding the monetization, uh, our what Lens Protocol does very well it solves the 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 social graph aspect. So you create a profile and then you have different followings based on what who you want to follow, and having that on chain. So essentially, to give a bit of brief, uh, when you create a profile, that's tokenized as an NFT, meaning that uh, you can send it to your cold storage, or later, if that profile is your brand, you can sell it. Uh, and then you can follow other pro- profiles. So when I follow, for example, uh, Santiago, and I'm the first follower, I mean Santiago's first uh, follow NFT. Now, Santiago might have uh, uh, 100,000 followers, uh, or maybe 200,000 followers uh, in Lens Protocol. So all those follower uh, followers are token ID, so there's rarity built in. But what's fascinating is that the follow NFTs are actually dynamic NFTs. So they will always reflect the latest content, what you publish uh, in the Lens protocol. So let's say that uh, if Santiago publishes uh, a a picture of a cat, 
uh, all those follow identities will reflect the picture of the cat. So for example, if I go to my, uh, let's say wallet or OpenSea and look at the follow NFT, I see the picture of the cat. And then if Santiago decides to um, post new content, it will reflect, uh, let's say picture of a dog, it will reflect the picture of a dog. And so it's a dynamic uh, distribution, kind of like a broadcasting channel on chain. But fascinating is that we decided, we want, we didn't want to actually uh, solve much of the monetization part because we wanted to build one infrastructure. We There's a couple of things we built in terms of monetization is that if you really like the picture of a cat, let, uh, the, the, the picture of a dog, and let's say the dog has a funny cap, uh, you can actually then mint a immutable NFT out of that. The same way as you will mint an NFT uh, in in different kinds of um, NFT drops or in in foundation when you buy uh, digital art. So essentially, you can do drops directly to your uh, followers. And and then another one uh, is that you can uh, amplify the content. So uh, I like the picture of, of the dog, but I amplify and I have let's say thousand users in my follower base. I can mirror that uh, content, and if um, you know, you collect it, uh, I get part of the collection fee that Santiago as a creator sets. So it's it's basically monetizing kind of like the read with button. But these are just built in monetizations. Uh, and I think like more interesting stuff uh, will also be built by developers because the protocol itself is very modularized. So you can build uh, new follow logic, you can build uh, new uh, uh, reference, which is the comment logic. Um, or the collect logic. And one example, we, we already have community contributions. So one of them was uh, interesting uh, follow logic where you pay to follow uh, someone, but then uh, that creator essentially will uh, share with you the collection fees. So it's kind of like a creator uh, fundraising at the same time. So it's just like mind blowing how far you can go with this. It's kind of crazy what you're actually describing right now, which is not just a social platform, but it's uh, it's social tokens built into it, right? Because there's this concept, what what always happens with like my friends and, and me, and I'm, I'm assuming a lot of other friend groups out there is you follow someone pretty early, right? Like let's say I follow a musician on SoundCloud or an artist, a DJ I really, really like on SoundCloud, and then they blow up or an Instagram account, a funny meme account when it has 3000 followers, and then it gets to 300,000 followers and all my friends are following it. You always want to say, I was I was early to that account. Yeah. I, was fo- <laughs> I followed that account early, right? Or like if I followed Santiago and he had a thousand followers and now he's a big, big name, I'm like, oh my God, I've been... I've been following that journey. And what you're actually giving folks here is the ability to have upside in a creator that you're supporting from from day one. Yeah. What is the problem that you guys are trying to solve? Is it that everyone lives in this bubble? Is it the business model of something like Twitter is broken? What is the actual, what is the problem that you guys are solving here? For us, kind of like, I mean, the way we approach is that the social media space, it has different kinds of areas where you could actually make a lot of impact. So that might be, for example, uh, content moderation, uh, compatibility, um, might be, for example, uh, the monetization aspect. So there's like a lot of areas that you can actually solve. And our approach was that we know that the the space is very wide. There's multiple problems to solve. We basically want to solve the the graph part. So essentially, uh, how you can actually own, of course, your profile, but also in a way where uh, you're not locked into one particular platform. So anyone who builds a new application, you can just pretty much 
sign with your wallet uh, login and and you have your followers because you have your uh, lens profile there so like how to make that work so that's kind of like one of the key components there's things that we added uh, there like the the parts of the uh, monetization uh, but essentially we we wanted to um, figure out like how you can have a composable uh, sociograph that actually benefits and uh, allows more innovation into the space. It's very tricky. For example, like we earlier talk about the, talked about the Clubhouse uh, example is that the reason Clubhouse became popular because there was so much actually uh, network effect, but behind that there was a lot of growth hacking, the invitation system, a lot of VCs were pushing the product. Like I, I think like, in the beginning, there's more VCs than anything else in in in, in the uh, uh, speaker rooms, and essentially, like uh, if you find a new way to interact with content, you will have to go to the same process. You will have to growth hack your social media product, and that's very hard. So essentially, like if you just figure something small out and it's very exciting, suddenly, boom, you have this big network uh, at your hands, and it's just like it democratizes uh, the access to build social media but also democratizes the end user in the way like how and what kind of tools uh, they have maybe you are not happy with one particular application's uh, moderation policy you can go to the next one uh, and they actually compete uh, in the in the sense like which of these applications are respecting uh, your values most so you can make value-based decisions how, what is the business model of someone building an app on top, right? Because when you look at what social media companies have today, they have, they have incredible moats, right? So uh, Twitter is really the only big social platform, maybe LinkedIn too, where I have like a following. So I'm going to end up spending a lot more time there. And I'm probably not going to leave Twitter because I've put so much time into it. What What is the moat if you're building an app on top of the Lens protocol to keep the user um, in the same way that uh, if you look at finance, right? Like Bank of America has an incredible moat. Uh, I signed up for Bank of America when I was like 18 and I still haven't left it, even though it's a really shitty platform. But you look at DeFi, it's like Uniswap and Aave. Uh, they really have to fight for the user because the mo- the uh, ability to leave is so easy in DeFi. So like, what does that look like when it's translated into a, into the social world? There's two different things, of course. Like there's there's the... Um... Of course, there's the community aspect, but what I what I think is is also important is that uh, what Lens Protocol, for example, does it really takes one piece of the uh, kind of like uh, the layers of the social media and and makes that uh, that public good, decentralizes it and makes users kind of like owners of their own graphs. And essentially, all the other layers are still there and they do uh, exist. So essentially, would, instead of like being a only a number in, in social media platforms database, uh, you have basic your data on that level is stored uh, on chain. And what's uh, different here is that the only thing that, that, that is disappearing is the locking mode. But locking as a mode, um, you know, it's not always uh, workable in, in the sense, you know, there's been in history social media platforms where uh, users are building their network in one particular place, but slowly, if that platform doesn't innovate, you know, there's something interesting happening, you start to accumulate somewhere else your uh, followings, which is sad because many people put a lot of effort actually building those 
um, networks. I mean, we all remember MySpace. Uh, it, it, today, the, the application barely works. So just, just an example like uh, um, cases. But then those layers uh, that are on top, basically the, the, the applications, there might be new ways to interact with the content. Um, on that level, you have a lot of algorithms, so you can compete on, on that level as well. So for example, if there's two similar looking applications, even same way of interacting content, but the other algorithm just is somehow more um, driven towards your values or finds content that you are more interested in, you might spend time. I mean, TikTok is a good example where uh, the algorithm uh, rewards something that becomes very uh, uh, funny or interesting, and it just like uh, distributes the, the the content in in a very wide um, network. So there's there's going to be more and more options uh, to the users, and and based on your algorithms and and your experiences, you can actually create a lot of uh, monetization on on top of that. We interrupt your programming with a special announcement. Empire has a new sponsor. Santi and I are very excited to welcome BitMEX. That is right. BitMEX is back. The exchange we all know and love is back and better than ever. We're going to be dropping a couple updates on BitMEX over the next couple of months. This first one is a big one. Coming soon, BitMEX is rolling out their spot exchange and they're giving away $500,000 in Bitcoin to new users. That's right. Listening to Empire has got the alpha. Santi and I got you $500,000 in Bitcoin going to new users. For the OGs, I don't think I need to tell you why you need to use BitMEX. It's a love of the game kind of thing. You respect crypto, you use BitMEX. For those newer to the in uh, industry, BitMEX has a long and great history of innovation since their launch in 2014. They created perps and a whole lot more. Now they're back, they're better than ever, they're making waves. So what do you need to do? Go sign up for the BitMEX Spot Exchange for a chance to win some of the $500,000 in Bitcoin that BitMEX is giving away. B-I-T-M-E-X, B-I-T-M-E-X.com. That's BitMEX.com. Go make it happen. Now let's get back to the show. The type of data that exists on chain, you know, is is transactional in nature. Uh, you might be signing certain things, but it's transactional. Okay, you, you might be communicating, you might be signing messages, but for the most part, it's like you bought an NFT, you swapped a particular token, you may have voted or are part of a particular DAO, and so you kind of. I think there's a, enough data there to start kind of the flywheel of curation. But there are other more discrete data points that just are probably going to not exist on chain because it's not very efficient or you have an Oracle problem. Uh, and we can talk about what those are, but do, do you do you think that that is going to eventually be a limitation on the kind of relationships that you can create because inherently the data will not exist on chain, at least not in the foreseeable future? I think what will happen is that, uh, I mean, essentially on-chain data is very uh, interesting because you could have, for example, a scenario where, you know, me, Santiago, we we voted into, uh, we voted on Aave governance. So let's say if someone posts something about governance, you know, uh, that might appear in the feeds, which is like based on the on-chain data. But what we will see also is that many of these applications will start building layers on top of the uh, on-chain infrastructure. So for example, they might have features or functions where 
you might create uh, data and they use this data combined with the on-chain data to basically find you more interesting things to, to, to read about or interact with. And then uh, even more uh, cooler thing will be that when we have actually a cross-application data layers, so let's say we have something, uh, uh, some sort of a data layer that actually you can integrate, integrate with your uh, Lens application. And all those uh, applications, maybe they collect the same data point and they can retrieve uh, data from the same uh, data points. And essentially, they, they, you have a way to actually get more data and share it with, with the other applications, which is on top of the uh, on-chain inf infrastructure. Because I don't think it necessarily needs to be that you have to have everything on-chain. You can build layers, like shared layers or application-specific layers. And those might help to like build that algorithm that mm -hmm. they are they're, they're so, interested in. And so in that case, just so people get an idea, we talk a lot about signing in with Ethereum. And so instead of creating a username password, I might be able to sign in to Twitter with MetaMask um, or whatever, but like Web3 portal. And then tie to a particular wallet. And then you're saying you could scrape that and, and pull in that data feed. And then to further personalize and and scrape kind of content that exists in Web2, not on chain, to then further kind of another dimension of curation. Like, would that be possible? If you're signing into the Wall Street Journal, the Financial Times, or Facebook, like pretty much anything in Web2 that might have at some point a an ability to log in with a wallet, like with a Web3 portal. Yeah. You can do that. Uh, I mean, essentially, if you ask the user permission, you can you, you can get data from, let's say, Twitter. Um, you can get data from Instagram. I, I'm, I'm personally, I'm not the most like I, I, I think there will be a lot of combinations uh, with with like on chain, off chain data. I'm, I'm most interested in the Web3 footprint because there's sort of skin in the game there. Like, for example, when you participate in governance, you uh, have an ENS, uh, you know, you you have records there. Uh, you, you you do various on-chain activity uh, that creates like an interesting profile. And the more the the Web three landscape uh, expands from let's say from DeFi to, and 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 DAOs and governance uh, NFTs into Web three social, uh, Web three e commerce, whatever. Uh, essentially, like it's just like it's new areas of data points and usually you have uh, skin in the game. It's just like very fascinating data point. Just a simple thing as POAPs, you know, uh, and POAPs is something where, you know, it depends really, really about like what is the event, but many have from, from you know, eat hackathons, it might be something else, might be a company internal POAP, but having those POAPs, they bring a lot of interesting data, you know, who you could match. I could, I could, see even someone building a dating app uh on top of lens protocol where which basically yeah, for, uh you know for all us out there single yeah. uh yeah. <laughs> it's not santi, santi man you need that am i do i look that desperate Jesus, Jesus, come on, that's why i'm going to permissionless folks you need a bear market um, companion I know, man. that's why that's really why i'm going on the on the conference circuit really um but um <laughs> no so i just um so I do agree with you. Uh, I think blockchains are data rich and we are at a, I think, relatively nascent part of the in, like evolution of, of Web3 where there are limited types of data. But over time, you know, I think 
it, it will get there. The thing that I've seen where so other, look, social media is a very, very hard kind of space to crack. You know, as much as we hate Facebook and Snapchat and like there are dozens of players that have tried to improve upon their model and have failed because there's this idea of activation energy. Most people, for the most part, will really not take that extra step to go and try a different platform. Um, you know, I remember I was one of the earliest kind of users of Facebook because I had gone to Harvard Summer School and I had a Harvard EDU email. And so like, you know, I was able to get on relatively early and it was like very bare bones, but it was this idea of like, oh, you know, I, I knew certain people there in the platform. So that was what kept me there. So maybe it starts with like crypto Twitter fanatics and then over time it kind of expands. Um, but, um, but this is kind of goes back to my question, which I, I, I was curious of like, are you working with when you've obviously announced Lens in some way, shape or form, you kind of drop certain breadcrumbs. What has been kind of the reception? Like who has reached out? Who has expressed interest? Is it purely kind of crypto native protocols and people? Have you gotten interest from Web2 companies? Um, who's going to, I'm just kind of trying to envision who, who's going to come and build these kind of applications and what is the first kind of application for Lens going to look like in the next six months? One thing about Web3 Networks is that I, I realized that over the years that they don't need to grow very fast and quickly, whereas like Web2 social media platform, uh, if it doesn't grow within a couple of three years, you know, it goes to a graveyard. Um, in Web3, when we look back, uh, ENS, we look at even POAP. Uh, POAP is interesting because uh, it's, it started by one person going to events and giving, Patricio giving, you know, the the pops and uh, a few years ago and everyone's wondering like what is going on and, and is there like fun and you know and it's becoming like a network itself and then uh yeah literally you know, doing things that don't scale and to get to like some product market fit right like ex- exactly selling cereal boxes oh sonny can you i'm oh, sorry i know you're mm-hmm. not done with that answer but I, I actually still don't understand this why and i want to make sure i don't end this podcast without fully understanding this why it feels like all successful platforms whether it's social media platforms or even financial platforms like Aave, right? Aave and Uniswap and even centralized exchanges like a Coinbase or an FTX, they all need users to scale and they all need network effects and they need the liquidity of interactions and liquidity of interactions in finance might be uh, buy and sell, but liquidity of transactions in, on Twitter might be tweet and like and retweet and things like that. So why do crypto-based social platforms not need users like the network effects of users? I'm still not fully getting that. You always need, of course, network effects of users. Um, the, the the difference between Web2 and Web3 Social is that in Lens Protocol, you create your profile once. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, if you have brands and whatever, you can create more. But basically, you create your profile once and you have those followers. So, like, that's, that's yours to keep. It's the same idea of, you know, like... Um, you own your keys, you own your crypto. So you I see. So access. the users are already there. I see. I, I get it. Yeah, the users are there already. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and that's the thing because like every single, like one user in social graph means also like one new user in all of the applications. I mean, obviously you can curate as an application level more that only like, only like users that came through, through this application will will pretty much like be shown in this application. You do like, you can do a lot of curation, but essentially as you will sign up, as you will create a profile in Lens Protocol, it will 
the equivalent of creating a profile in, let's say, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and, and TikTok uh, at once. And if you come from one of those applications, uh, you reach in the whole uh, graph. And for me, it's, um, uh, for us, the, the, the kind of like a, uh, I mean, this has been launched a couple of months ago, uh, the, the testnet and, and what's uh, cool has been is that we started with a hackathon. So obviously the, the main idea is that we have smart contract-based protocol and we want actually to see what kind of applications could be built. So within the first application, uh, sorry, the hackathon, um, LF Grove, um, we had uh, 530 uh, hackers and over uh, 126 sub submissions. Uh, in a um, under two week hackathon, which is like uh, out, like outstanding numbers. It it means that there are people, there are developers that are actually interested in the space, and and they want to uh, build things. And we saw uh, within those two two weeks uh, actually uh, full front ends being built. So Lenster uh, .xyz is a good example, and and there's a bunch of other fascinating uh, project project being built. So. It just showcases like how quickly you can build a social media application when you don't need to think about the back end that much. Again, I want to go back to the idea of monetization and, and not just like in the context of Lens, but just generally, because when the user is in control, meaning Chris Dixon, I think, talked about this really eloquently, much better than I will, which is like when you have your wallet, your wallet is kind of, it places so much power on the user and... It's, it may be difficult, this is what Jason was trying to say, I think, earlier, which is it's difficult to kind of own the relationship with a customer. It kind of puts more pressure on the company to deliver value, and you have all these different people trying to curate and serve and create useful applications. I think in Web3, I think the, 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 the entity or the person that benefits the most is the consumer, the end user, which owns the data, can port it over, whether you're a game, in gaming, NFTs, DeFi, like your wallet is, unlocks so much value. But what does that mean for, at some point, like you have to have some business model for these people that are rendering the curation and all this stuff, like, but I'm, I'm still having like a bit of trouble, like bridging that. No, no, I'm, I'm with you, Santi. I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. Like, where's where's Jason, the revenue? You, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, and maybe it's like we don't really know what that monetization model is going to be. Well, yeah, like in, in DeFi, if the if the revenue is coming from fees, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Like where's the in revenue? DeFi is super in, straightforward. It's a swap yeah, yeah, fee. That's it. Yeah. So where's the where's the? Yeah, I guess there's a the question there. Where's the revenue coming from then, Stani? I, I mean, basically for the uh, for the creators, essentially because like their their content is 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 tokenized. So that's pretty much like one way of monetizing so you can sell your content so we all have nfts here so we we already pay for nfts um and essentially on, on a social graph like lens protocol you can pretty much create uh, anything you can create uh art you can create just regular content and actually like it's not you can even drop an album but it's it removes the idea of of kind of like having a medium it creates mediumless uh, creators because let's say that uh, you as a creator, uh, let's say Billie Eilish, uh, you drop an album on, on Lens Protocol, uh, hypothetically. I, I mean, I want it to happen, but let's say hypothetically. Mm -hmm. 
uh, <laughs> and maybe you will have out of a uh, few million uh, followers, maybe uh, you have certain percentage that will actually buy that as NFT, the, the album drop. But then at the same time, uh, Billie Eilish can, you know, uh, just post content that says, uh, you know, uh, make love, not war, you know, and, and people will collect that as, as a basically piece of content, the same way as please. And, and, in, that, and in, in that case, do you yeah. need to own, does Billie Eilish need to own the lens? A, is there a lens token here? Um, do you need to kind of stake that lens token to uphold your reputation? Is there some sort of fee like, uh, open style where if you're buying, if there's a transaction happening, then part of those fees will go to lens. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so what happens is that as a creator, when you set those fees, uh, so you set essentially the collection fee and because it's modelized, you can set, uh, there's, there can be different kinds of collection logic. So it can be auction. So you can just, uh, post a content 24 hour auction, you know, who wins gets it. So it's typical foundation, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, style or, or open sea auction. Then it it might be fixed price, uh, limited amount of uh, copies. It might be even uh, you know uh, you can collect uh, on a certain time period. Let's say twenty four hours. So that's that's basically what you can do, and you can set those fees. Then uh, what we created is that the protocol itself can uh, collect fees as well into the uh, protocol treasury, but that is set to zero. So our goal is to be uh, after after. Uh, having the protocol live and to see that how many users there are and how much there's utilization, uh, transfer the whole ownership of the protocol uh, progressively to the uh, community. And the community then can decide uh, what to do with the fees and, and whatnot and, and whether something like this happens. But that's that's more of like kind of like uh, speculation. For us, like for our team especially, we always try to build something that uh, works. Uh, if it works, if it creates an impact, uh, maybe it inspires some other new protocols to be uh, created. But that's so. So the monetization is just like we created a seed for that, so anyone can uh, mm-hmm. monetize their NFTs. But there's so many things you can build on top. Mm-hmm. It's 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 quite agnostic. Yeah, and look, look. At, I mean, it's totally fair answer to say we don't know yet, because I yeah. think like sometimes to your point, if you just build things that provide value and people are interacting and communicating, like I'd rather as an investor place my chips on that and saying if you're tapping into like a, a fundamental like human need, then you can. It's easier to figure out the monetization piece after. Whereas if you're creating like a product that no one wants, like. You know, no right. I mean, nearly every business starts incredibly niche, right? If you look yeah, at eBay, yeah, it yeah. starts with just collectibles. Or Facebook didn't start as Facebook; it yeah. starts as just a, a social mm-hmm. network for small call it for colleges, right? So, well, I am curious: <clears throat> why does a money market kind of DeFi bank all of a sudden wake up one day and say, "Yeah, I think we're going to build a social graph here"? <laughs> I think. End of the day, we're Web3 builders, and if you if you think about it, and uh, Web3 is an economy. So there's decentralized finance. There's also um, um, the the greater economy that now in part with the NFTs. Uh, Web3 social is just another aspect. There might be at some point uh, Web3 e-commerce and and so forth. So like for us, what is important is that to find 
where we could actually make an impact uh, and, and how to do that uh, in the Web3 community. And I think uh, beyond that, what's for me personally very interesting is that once you have a decentralized social graph, you can actually turn it into a trust graph. And when it's a trust graph, you can actually enable interesting things like um, credit and under collateralized lending. And that's kind of like where we could go towards, but that's very early. So it's something that uh, takes a bit of time and we'll see like how this plays out. Um, I mean, even back in the days, uh, we, we had uh, POCs of using ENS names as a collateral. So you kind of use mm-hmm. yeah, your, you could use your profile as a collateral as well. But end of the day, it's more about creating interaction data and understanding uh, what user have. And also interesting fact is that uh, if you have a profile that has good monetization, what you can actually do is you could use that as a collateral if there is constant revenue stream. And that's yeah. something that's very fascinating from DeFi aspect. Yeah, I certainly believe that. Um, how do you solve for like the civil problem here? Um, like uh, a person might have 100 wallets. And yeah. I mean, <clears throat> civil problem Does, does is, it matter? Yeah. It matters to some extent, at some extent, doesn't. So what I'm fascinating personally is a concept of uh, social verification. So let's say that uh, Twitter currently gives blue check marks based on their own assessment, right? Um, what could be fascinating is that you could create uh, and bootstrap communities that could actually uh, do the social verification. So let's say Decentralized social graph is a big data dump. Um, you know, there can be a lot of good profiles, a lot of bad profiles. Uh, it's the same as many of these Web2 web uh, databases. But what's fascinating is actually who has verified a profile uh, from a community standpoint. So let's say that I know Santiago, uh, you know, he, he comes and visits me in London. So, you know, like, and we're friends. So, so basically I can socially verify that um, this person is verified by me. Same for you, Jana. And, and then... Uh, maybe I meet your friend somewhere, let's say in permissionless, and I can verify that person too. So like, and, and then you can create verification communities and, and also you can even aggregate those verifications. So you can, by curation, uh, you can solve a lot of things. But for me, um, the next step from here where uh, a lot of things will move is when you can actually do uh, social verification on facts as well. So let's say if I post something like, hey, I'm the interim CEO of Twitter. So maybe people at Twitter can actually kind of like verify that, you know, this is like, uh, and flag it to somewhere like maybe this isn't correct. Or, you know, maybe the, you know, crypto Twitter folks will say that this is correct or just funny. Like there, there might be a lot of like labeling and data on those verifications. So like, which could actually fight things like fake news and, and so forth. So like that's that's the kind of aspect, aspect that there's a lot of to do for uh, the creation as well. But that's something that has to be built um, on top. There's there's a paper out of UPenn from 2015 that talked about so uh, credit scoring and uh, credit scoring in a kind of socialized um, or decentralized manner here. Um, one of the things that it found is that it actually causes users to engage less and like form closer ties with the smaller communities and that it actually kind of pushes people away from people who might be like, quote unquote, low credit people. Does that feel like 
a problem for you guys to solve? Or does that feel like a problem for like the apps built on top of Lens Protocol to solve? Or you, you're not even thinking about something like that right now, way too early. Very fascinating research. And I would say that, uh, you know, if someone creates a algorithm that basically uh, takes into account that if you follow someone who has lower credits, like kind of like score or whatever, uh, you know, and, and this is public, uh, in the first place, you have to be very transparent what data you're using because now the users have the power. They own the graph. They own the profiles. They own the relationships. So, like, you are the epicenter as a user. So, uh, it creates a competition where everyone needs to be more transparent on their um, algorithms because there will be some provider who will be uh, and even open sourcing their algorithm. So, Essentially, what it means that uh, someone will come and just create an algorithm and says that, you know what, we don't do that, uh, you know, and use this mm. and you have choices as a user. But if you're using something where you're locked in in a platform, you don't have that freedom. So it's all about yeah. creating opportunities and freedom for the user. Is there, is there a downside of having uh, users, all of user social data? on a blockchain, right? Because when you look at something like um, Etherscan, I can see every transaction that's going in and out on, on Ethereum. And it's obviously amazing. You've got this incredibly transparent ledger. But on the flip side, I'm not sure people, I want people seeing like what I just liked on Instagram and TikTok, right? And I'm not sure I want my uh, stupid tweets from 2007, 15 years ago, stored forever on a blockchain. So is there is there a downside to some of this stuff? It, there is. And for example, yeah. uh, this is one of the reasons we also uh, we don't have a like like button on the protocol level. You can build on an application level a like button, reactions buttons, uh, some other new cool things. Uh, you know, now you can be like 15, 18 years old and just build a new application on top of Lens Protocol and that might become a big, uh, big and, and popular application. Um, so like... Uh, I would say that you can build a lot of things on top into a private database. But I'm also fascinating about um, using something like zero-knowledge proofs uh, of actually creating private photos, private profiles, and adding that functionality. But I think like once we achieve that that kind of like a base layer um, where you know you have you have this visibility transparency, then uh, the next thing is to to figure out like what techniques are used because you, obviously you can build on a lot of things on, on databases, but then like how you can actually use cryptography uh, to um, to make a lot of things private. That's, that's, that's going to be the next yeah. step. Sony could, could lens be bigger than Aave one day? Well, we'll define, uh, define the parameter by bigger market cap or users or. Um, I think, I think users probably. No, I, I actually don't think users is the right metric to look at there because obviously there's going to be a lot more users on a social platform than a financial platform. Um, the parameter might be, I don't know, okay. revenue, Went cash, token. how much it's making. <laughs> I, I don't know. Normal business I, metrics. <laughs> good, good, interesting metric is that like how many people care about finance in general? Like how many, if you take like, you know, like a, uh, one particular like, or how much time people spend on finance like how much time you spend on yeah yeah uh, i would say like a lot of people care about yield. finances but don't think about mm-hmm. that uh, every day like you don't go to the yeah. bank every day you check your phone at least 50 times a day because you want to interact with people that you care about exactly so like that's like right. 
like if you spend maybe once a week to tweak your yield farms, uh, you know, that's the, 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 the amount you put energy into that and attention. But, you know, if you go to an application uh, and spend there two hours a day uh, or, or in crypto Twitter uh, 16 hours a day, uh, what value that has. So <laughs> um, maybe the, a question is, do you envision a world where we just move totally off of Web2 platforms? Or are you complementing what you're seeing in a Web2 context? Meaning you're still in parallel, you're still going to be using Twitter. Uh, and then you're still going to be using Lens for different things. And they somehow complement each other, not replace? Or are you replacing? I, I, ideally, uh, Twitter should integrate the Lens protocol. Like that was part of my 90-day plan when I was entering CEO of Twitter. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but Okay, so, it, so like, okay, <laughs> why don't we just create a DAO? And call up Elon and say, hey, listen, or CZ, and get CZ to, out of his 500 allocation, give us a, a slug. And as a community, we'll fund it. Because I, I actually do think, like, jokes aside, like, why wouldn't you, if you're Elon, you want to kind of boost the credibility of Twitter. As much as we think Twitter is, like, the best thing ever, most people outside of crypto Twitter think it's, like, a dead platform and don't use it. But, like, if you spin NFTs and, like, you spin, like, you know, I think it, that that is kind of a good way to reinvigorate Twitter. So, uh, yeah, why don't we just create a DAO? Call, call up Andreessen. Andreessen's putting in what four hundred million for this <laughs> CZ? Is it like five hundred million? No, I'm saying what, probably <laughs> easier was through CZ. I I think it makes a lot of sense because I mean, if you put this DAO, uh, I'm definitely in because I think there should be also like more native Web three voice on on platform like that big, even though it's, it, we don't know how easy to get some of these changes and, you know, the, the web three aspects and, and how the whole Twitter organization thinks about it. Uh, but like, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's going to be uh, something that drives the space toward web three. And I, I just don't think like, I think both words need to exist. You know, you have decentralization, then you have, you know, centralization, you have services, you have companies like there's just like two different layers and they interact with each other that that will happen like yeah. but seeing twitter going towards web3 more um that will be very successful for our mission yeah. because you know it's it's good for everyone well let's it's not like forget a, twitter I think has like a, they have blue sky santi remember um, uh, twitter 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 built a group yeah, called Blue like, Sky as like the nonprofit. Like Jack and I don't even know what. Yeah, that but is. the goal is to like to develop, <laughs> as they say in their words, a decentralized social network protocol. So this might be a, yeah. actually a direct competitor to Lens. Maybe. I'm very biased. Uh, I think uh, they should build I on see, Lens, like, but I think you need to have. I think I'm more on the camp of <clears throat> you need to have credibility by opening up integrations with Web three protocols as opposed to no, trying to build it in house. Like I yeah, just you need think the community on your side. I see a mesh here where yeah. like the same way that you're probably never gonna stop using Bank of America for certain things, even though Bank of America is No, I will. I soon, I hopefully will. <laughs> well, but you're still but you know no, what I mean? I agree. But you're I still agree gonna have you. like DeFi doesn't totally I think replace finance. I think financial institutions yeah. start working with DeFi and they just act as front ends and user aggregators to tap into this world and as a sediment right. layer. And in right. a similar manner, I just think that like social web two social networks, if they're going to be relevant in the next twenty years, they're gonna probably at some point enable users to integrate their two lives. Call it you're living in the real world in the metaverse. Well, you need a bridge to like 
mesh those interactions and and amplify them, not replace yeah, them. Because yeah. we're still going to live in the metaverse and we're going to live in the real world where there's inflation and you have to eat. Um, and so I think like if you're Twitter right now, like you want to be relevant, you want to kind of catapult into a next leap. And I think that's what's exciting where if I, if I'm, if I'm Elon, I would probably like seriously consider like enabling web three support uh, and opening up to other, to the web three community as opposed to trying to build it in house because it reminds me so much of the like no, no, L1s, ones yeah, yeah. like Corda and all this. It's like when JP Morgan, JP Morgan launched, yeah, uh, yeah. what was it? The fork of Ethereum quorum or something. It's like whatever this crap is. Yeah. No one is in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. Closed hey. or, yeah. Uh, Sonia, I'm just, I'm, I know we're coming up on time here. I did want to mm-hmm. ask you one thing. Um, what is the tech stack on your guys' end for this? So you guys built on Polygon is like some data stored. Are you guys using like Arweave, IPFS? Like what, what is your kind of tech stack for this? Yeah, so uh, pretty much all of the infrastructure, it's on smart contracts, and we, we deployed on Polygon. Uh, so what um, the the next part is, of course, like we, we want to have a, a bit of like cross-chain functionality, uh, but that's a, that's a different story. In terms of the the data storage, the, the protocol is very much agnostic to data and how you store so you can use IPFS, you can use Arweave, uh, you can even use S3, you know, if you want to. Uh, so essentially, uh, you can choose where you store. So for example, if you use one application and they have a setting for you to store in IPFS, that's that will be the solution. So if there's future solutions, they can be plugged in uh, easily. Got it. Cool. Anyone out there that is listening, like... What, um, where can they find more about Lens? Where should they go work for Lens? Should they kind of, are there grants available? I know you're huge sponsors of hackathons. Like what is the best way for someone out there listening saying, okay, uh, I want to build on top of Lens or something? Yeah, so uh, Lens.dev is a good place for information and seeing uh, basically what, how the protocol works, what you can uh, build. Uh, we have uh, outstanding documentation, and we made it as uh, simple as possible to to uh, build on top of the Lens protocol or integrate it. Um, and also, we have a grants program, so we call it the the fertilizer. Um, so, so the idea is that uh, we we already had one round of grants, and and we have a next one. So it's ongoing basis. You can apply for different kinds of grants, whether you are integrating Lens into a Web two social. Uh, product, uh, or you just want to make your current product social, but Web3 native, uh, or building something very, very new. Um, yeah, and of course, if you are end user, you're a believer in Web3 social, uh, owning your uh, profile and your uh, relationship with your audience, what you can do is you can go to lens.dev and sign a open letter there. Uh, and you can even uh, share that uh, on Twitter. Uh, essentially, and and that's a a kind of like a open letter about how we believe that's why uh, uh, social should be open. We're we all gonna get banned if we do this. <laughs> <laughs> you're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're gonna end up into a uh, Twitter jail. List. <laughs> yeah, seriously, I'm gonna be on the shit list. <laughs> yeah, uh, great. Uh, this is awesome. Uh, any like parting thoughts? I mean, it's super exciting. I mean, I think social has been tried in in Web three before. I think these are one of the first kind of things that like steam it and stuff like this. But I think the time is right at the intersection of NFTs, gaming, uh, and it stitches all together very nicely. We're doing more, we're spending more time on chain. So it makes a whole lot of sense. 
Um, yeah. Maybe t- t- maybe timeline before before parting thoughts, but timeline. When can we start like seeing like a, a really nice front facing application? Soon. <laughs> this is this is the politically correct answer, so that none of the engineers working on this gives Tani hard time. So I appreciate that exactly. Um, but yeah, thanks for having me here. It, it was amazing, uh, and and the questions were super super exciting. So I, I really um, I, I really am a believer. Um, in, in Web3 Social, and it's going to be interesting to see what kind of things are going to be built. But it's a process. So I, I think uh, decentralizing is something big as social media will take twice as long as uh, decentralizing finance. You heard it from the man who went through brutal bear markets and is one of the best builders in the space and and the host that's appeared the most on this podcast. So Stani, always a pleasure, man. Um, Thank you so thanks much. for, for building this. I think, uh, if anyone's going to pull it off, it's you and your team. So congrats on, on everything. And I think it's much needed in the space. So keep at it. Amazing. Thank you. Take care, Stani.